0: A short time ago, an American airplane dropped one
1: bomb on Hiroshima. It's been I it being been leader, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this The American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge.
0: Welcome to the Cold yep. War post-Yalta episodes,
1: Ray. <laughs> Thank Christ, and by Christ I mean Cam, that we are here. <laughs> oh my goodness, oh my gosh. Now, yeah, everybody has to keep in mind that uh, throughout the rest of February and into early March, the spirit of Yalta is still ringing in everyone's ears. It's a can-do attitude. We can get together, be practical, and solve anything. That's about to change, but again, it is something that's very real, and, and everybody who's involved needs it to be real for their own political selfish reasons, but it, uh, nothing can last forever, and it's about to come crashing down pretty quickly.
0: Now, before that, though, on March 1st, Frank gave a speech to Congress where he spoke positively about the outcomes, outcomes of Yalta. Um, it was applauded. It was his last major Yay. public appearance. And interestingly, it was oh. the first time he'd spoken in front of Congress in several years. And he, uh, it was the first time he sort of spoke publicly about his affliction. He, You know, they used to hide the fact that he was in a wheelchair right. and all that kind of stuff. Whenever he spoke in front of Congress before, he'd have these metal braces that he would use to sort of right. walk and people would be holding him. This time he just said, hey, listen, dudes, I'm... Fucking old. I'm going to sit down. Uh, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm yeah. tired, and uh, you know, I'm not. You know, I've got this disease thing that we've been sort of not talking about for the last uh, 20 years, and everyone was like, "Sweet as, dude, no problems. You sit down. It's all good. Um, <laughs>
1: You've earned it. You've earned a rest."
0: He spoke for about an hour, uh, strayed from the prepared remarks, and a number of times uh, to sort of talk about. His experiences over there, but yeah, met with huge support from Congress. He was trying to, again, sell them on uh, accepting the terms of the Yalta agreement and also to join the United Nations. The day before, Churchill had given his report to the House of Lords and Commons. Again, it was overwhelmingly voted for uh, supporting the, the, the agreements that they come up with at Yalta. So both of these guys... Uh, went back home, gave their reports. Everyone said, fucking well done, son. That sounds awesome.
1: Now, to us, that's a lot, it's a foregone conclusion. But you have to remember, when they were at Yalta, they were angling things a certain way because the uh, League of Nations had failed dismally. It's going to crash and burn. It couldn't stop Italy. It couldn't stop Germany. It couldn't stop Japan. So they had that ghost there and the fact that the Americans didn't even join in the first place. So this is a very big deal. This is a very big victory for them. And everything that FDR has done, he's got to be thinking, I'm going to go down in history for being able to help come up and create the United Nations. So this is a very big deal, even though it might not seem like it today.
0: Mm, Well, I think it seemed like it uh, today. I mean, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal. Anyway, but then we're nerds. Um, Now, within a few weeks, (laughs) the relationship between the big three had sunk to their lowest point since 1941. How, you might ask. Did they go from hugs and backslapping and reach-arounds at sort of the middle of February... To hating each other by the end of March. Right. Well, uh,
1: that's a perception g- versus reality.
0: Good fucking question you asked. I'm glad you asked it. <laughs> so it all started with a letter, uh, as great stories often do. Uh, once upon right. a time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> Roosevelt Dear John. sent a letter to Stalin on March 3rd, only two days after his speech to Congress, where he talked about what a good bloke Stalin was. And the letter uh, addressed a question that we didn't talk about uh, much during the Yalta conference, the treatment of Allied prisoners of war.
1: Now, we could have easily have filled up in a couple of other shows with their conversations about this. But what it comes down to is every of these three leaders, they have very different ideas and attitudes about the POWs. And these guys have been scattered uh Um, all over the place over a year because of Germany not only controlling so much for a while, but then obviously as it was losing territory, it had to move people around. So uh, this is not a very simple task. There are hundreds of thousands of them, and they're scattered all over the places, and they're mixed. And now these guys have got to clean up the mess that the Germans are left behind. It should be rather straightforward, but because of certain attitudes, it will be anything but. I should be clear that when I say
0: Allied Prisoners of War, I don't mean the prisoners of war that the Allies have uh, in their prisons. I mean uh, former POWs, Americans and British in particular, that had been POWs of the Nazis. Now, I don't know if we could have filled up several shows, but at least one show. There had been some discussion about the issue between Churchill and Stalin towards the end of the conference. Frank hadn't really been a party to it. But the heads of the militaries had signed an agreement on the matter, how they were going to deal with this. Basically, we're all going to give each other our uh, re- the respective countries' former prisoners of war back. We're going to do it quickly. We're going to do it efficiently, etc., etc. Now, there was uh, an issue that had cropped up by early March. General John Dean, who was the head of the... American military mission in Moscow had found out that there were hundreds if not thousands of dirty, hungry and tired American ex-prisoners of war just basically wandering around the forests of Poland uh, trying to catch squirrels and that they were getting the cold shoulder from the Russian military some had even been robbed of their watches at gunpoint now the question I had in my mind was mm-hmm. these guys have just been released from Nazi concentration camps how they managed right. to keep hold of their watches while they were in Nazi concentration camps I don't know but then I realized they probably hid them up their ass
1: This watch it was on your
0: daddy's wrist when they were shut down on Hanoi he was captured put uh, in a Vietnamese prison camp he knew that if the gooks ever saw the watch, it would be confiscated, taken away. The way your dad looked at it, this watch was your birthright. You'd be damned if any slope's gonna put the greasy yellow hands on his boy's birthright, so he hid it. In one place he knew he could hide something, his ass. Five long years he wore this watch, up his ass. Then he died of dysentery, he'd give me the watch. I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass, two years, then, After seven years,
1: I was sent home to my family. Now, little man, I give the watch to you. That's so beautiful. It'd be damned. It'd be damned. (laughs) (laughs) But it's good it's going to get worse for general dean not only is he going to find out about these american troops you know barely surviving and whatever being ignored when obviously they could be helped because the russians pretty much outright own poland but there are even even worse than that there's dozens of wounded americans uh in a in a um repatriation camp near Warsaw. So again, it's not like these guys are like miles and miles away. They could be gathered up, they could be assisted, and for whatever reason, nothing is being done proactively to help the Americans. And this is at first confusing General Dean, but then he's gonna get pretty pissed off about it.
0: Yeah. Dean wants to get these American soldiers out of Poland and back home, but he's Stuck in Soviet bureaucracy. So he asks old Avril Harriman, fucker of young women, to uh, come and help. Who isn't? Uh-huh. <laughs> How is Rachel, by the way? Harriman tries <laughs> and he gets nowhere. So um, uh, the, the, the Russians told the Americans that they were, look, we're going to set up a new camp in Odessa, And then we're going to move all the Americans there. Once they're there, you can come and get them. When are you going to do it? Uh, At some point, you know. We're getting around to it. Really? I've got one of those. Now, Americans being Americans, they were impatient. They wanted this to happen right now. Russians being
1: Russians, they were like, listen, we'll get it done. You know, what's the big fucking hurry here? they have they have other priorities i'm guessing rebuilding the western half of their country yeah but but uh, no, which 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 is certainly valid, but the American thinking is, look, you want them out, we want them back. Why not expedite it but again, the Russians obviously have to rebuild half of their country. Um, whether it was um, it just wasn't important to them, or even if it was important to them logistically, it is just not that feasible to move that fast. But I don't think the Americans want to hear that.
0: And by the way, the war's not over yet. Hitler's still alive. We're still fighting the Nazis. Oh, that's right. This is March, isn't it? March. March yeah, we got shit. We're doing things, man. Like uh, <laughs> we're fairly committed here. Uh, <laughs> anywho. So, yep. eventually the news made its way up to Roosevelt, who wrote Stalin a pretty harsh cable. It wasn't that harsh, really, but on March 3rd, it was fairly strongly worded. He wrote, mm-hmm. It is urgently requested that instructions be issued authorizing 10 American aircraft with American crews to operate between Poltava and places in Poland where American ex-prisoners of war and stranded airmen may be located.
1: Wait a minute, so... Stalin has been telling Churchill during Yalta to, to fuck off when it comes to anything to do with Poland even observers. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that the he's going to let American troops just fly into Poland. Mm. That the, he must he must really think he's he's buddy buddy with Stalin. Mm. But anyway. Mhm. Anyway. Stalin
0: replied, I want to assure you on our part that we shall do everything possible for the creation of favourable conditions for American POWs, as soon as they will be on the territory which will be taken by the Soviet troops. So again, listen, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's okay, dude, chill the fuck out, man, like, we'll get you, you guys, but, uh, where, where and when we say it's convenient, you're not, no fucking way are you flying into Poland. Yeah. Meanwhile, Dean keeps trying to get access to Poland through diplomatic and military channels, and he eventually gets told, look, this is really something you should take up with Polish government. You want to fly planes into Poland, we are not Poland, we are Russia. You want to fly Pol- <laughs> planes into Poland, you take it up with Polish government. Which sounds it reasonable. to me, Right, sounds yeah, reasonable. Yeah. But the Americans are suspicious that as soon as they deal with the Lublin Poles... Stalin's going to go, oh, well, see, you think the Lublin's is official uh, gov- Polish government. So that is government now. Uh, forever and ever, amen.
1: That's brilliant.
0: Yeah, clever. Now, whether or not that's exactly what Stalin was trying to do, we don't know. Likely, it's probable, right. probable, knowing Stalin. Yeah. Uh, as soon as you, <laughs> as soon as you acknowledge the Lublin's are the Polish government, then they're the Polish government. And you can't back down. Right. So the Americans aren't going to do that. Now, Frank's next message to Stalin, a little bit hotter under the collar. Frankly, I cannot understand... And he loved using the word frankly because he was Franklin. He was right, Franklin, by what? mistake. Franklin, I... Oh, well, no, that's me. I shouldn't refer to myself. Frankly, I cannot understand your reluctance to permit American officers to provide means to assist their own people in this matter. This government has done everything to meet each of your requests. I now request you meet mine in this particular matter. Please call Harriman...
1: To explain my desires in detail. 555-3279. Five, 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 he should have put here in his phone number, but I, I don't know why. He of did course, that. in
0: the 80s, none of us realized that was actually talking about some hooker's phone number on a bathroom wall because we were 12. we'
1: it learn. Again, I
0: think it yeah. was 1981, 82. I was 11 when that came out. I was like, hey, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I thought but it was... look at something here because... Very romantic. Yeah. What are you looking at?
1: No, I was trying to look at the uh, the Polish, uh, the uprising in Warsaw to see exactly where the uh, Soviet troops were at. But it's, shit, it's not giving me clear enough. But anyway, yeah, so they're not, you know.
0: Uh, uh, speaking of which, lead guitarist of Tommy Tutone, Jim Keller, was interviewed by People magazine in 1982. Mm-hmm. He said, Jenny is a regular girl, not a hooker. Friends of mine wrote her name and number on a men's room website wall at a bar i called her on a dare and we dated for a while i haven't talked with her since the song became a hit but i hear she thinks i'm a real jerk for writing it
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know how hard it was to get phone new phone numbers back then but i imagine she had to trade up so she probably didn't appreciate that
0: Although uh, songwriter Alex Cole uh, in 2009 said, There was no Jenny. The number, it came to me out of the ether. So there you go. There was a woman called Lorene Burns who lived in Alabama at the time. Her number was eight six seven five three zero nine, And she said, we get At first we'd get calls at 2 or 3 in the morning and my husband would answer the phone. He can't hear too well. They'd ask for Jenny, and he'd say, Jimmy doesn't live here anymore. (laughs) Tommy Tommy Two-Tone was the one who had the record, I'd like to get hold of his neck and choke him. (laughs) So, uh, yes. Uh, In 1982, WLS Radio obtained the number from a Chicago woman and received 22,000 calls in four days.
1: Oh, my God. Gold. Love that song. Anyway. Where did we get yeah, to? Yeah, so it sounds like uh, Franklin's getting a little, oh like yeah, said, hot under the collar because well, the- he cannot understand why his good mate is not helping him solve this very serious problem.
0: Well, again, the last part of his last cable, please call Harriman, sounds a little bit like yeah. an order. Uh, but um, Stalin remained fairly polite. He replied that he was doing everything he could, but then he shot back former american prisoners of war liberated by red army are in soviet prisoner of war camps in good conditions at any rate better in better conditions than former soviet prisoners of war in american camps american camps where they have been partially placed together with german prisoners of war and where some of them were subjected to unfair treatment and unlawful inconveniences up to beating <laughs> As it was reported to the American government more than once. So it's like, hey, fucker, <laughs> don't complain to me about American ex-prisoners of war. Soviet ex-prisoners of war in American camps yeah. treated much worse. So, yeah. you know, I don't know if that was true yeah. or not, so- but that's what he claimed
1: right I, I, ju- I could just picture Stalin spinning that but it's almost like yeah oh they, they had their watches taken from them my guys have been beaten so again we don't know if it's true and it almost doesn't matter that it's true he is literally trying to take over the um, you know the debate the discussion whatever you want to call it and come out victorious and so putting FDR back on the defensive and
0: FDR gave up on the whole issue yeah. which seems to suggest that Stalin might have been right about the treatment of uh, Soviet POWs, or that it was just obvious that the wall had come down, and he and you know Roosevelt was many things, but he wasn't a White Walker, and he knew he wasn't getting through the Soviet wall. <laughs> um, but it the process was sped up, getting these guys sent to Odessa, where the Americans right. could get them. But um, as Plokey writes, the Soviets were concerned that the Americans were just using the POW issue as a pretext to get their military personnel into Poland. And Stalin saw this coming a mile away, and he was like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, motherfuckers, you ain't getting into (laughs) Poland.
1: Poland is mine. Yeah, so he had a a policy that... We'll give you back the... um, your your men, but it has to be done deep in well-established Soviet territory, not in the any of the newly acquired land. So again, was Stalin right to be paranoid? Who knows? Because in these various episode, in these various uh, podcasts, we've covered the FBI, the CIA, the OSS, uh, secret services doing a lot of crazy, amazing things. So maybe they did put um, spies in there with the prisoners. We have no idea. But Stalin's not taking any chances, and so he is not working with FDR as well as he as he could, maybe as well as he should, but he's protecting his own, and Stalin has every right to be paranoid. Just because the war's almost over doesn't change anything.
0: But you also got to keep in mind there's a big difference between the way the Soviets saw prisoners of war and the Americans saw their prisoners of war. FDR Absolutely. needed to worry about the PR spin on bringing the boys home. Stalin didn't give a fat-flying fuck about his boys, let alone someone else's (laughs) boys. He let his own son commit suicide in a Nazi concentration camp, for fuck's sake.
1: Oh, my God, yes. Now, the Russians... Yeah, so he had two boys, Yakov, which was... See a general. I'm trying to remember. He was he was pretty well ranked. He was ordered along with every other Soviet soldier not to take one step back. And so, in the beginning uh, part of uh, uh, Barbarossa, when the German tanks, the Panzers, go flying around either end and surround these guys, I mean, the Germans were surrounding ten thousand, a hundred thousand, whatever troops, just at a go. So it was this amazing um, feat of uh, tactics. But the but the Soviet soldiers were being captured but again to stalin and i really don't get this maybe you can help me understand it but to but to stalin anyone who is captured anyone who does not die while resisting the germans hopefully taking a german soldier with you is a is a traitor to the country stalin just had this this absolute view of how these guys should be living their lives and how they should be fighting
0: yeah well i think there was two aspects to that number one was uh you know you you should go down fighting i mean even if you get surrounded you go in there and just keep fighting until you get killed that's basically your job is to die um, fighting secondly if Mm -hmm. you get taken alive they might torture you and you might give up information which will lead to more soviet soldiers getting killed so there's no good outcome of being captured from his perspective right yeah, so Yakov, his eldest son... By the way, Yakov is Russian for jack-off, so that's... I mean, yeah. he didn't have a good start in life anyway. When your dad It was you, a hobby. Your dad is thinking, I should have jacked off instead of impregnating your mother, but I I'm going to call you jack-off to remind myself the rest of my life uh, instead of having sex, just to jack off. Um, after he'd been captured, Stalin refused a German offer to swap Yakov For Nazi Field Marshal Friedrich Paulus, Stalin famously replied, I will not trade a marshal for a lieutenant. Yakov was only a lieutenant.
1: Damn. We've
0: got your marshal, you've got our lieutenant. We're not trading a marshal for a lieutenant, are you kidding? Now, Yakov was seen as a traitor for being captured and his wife had been arrested and sent to a gulag to pay for the sins of her husband.
1: That's pretty fucked up, even for a communist. I mean, obviously, she has nothing to do with these following orders. But again, I guess that's how you keep the other people in line through fear and intimidation.
0: Even if it's your own daughter-in-law. Stalin's daughter, Svetlana Allelu- a- Alleluyeva, wrote in her memoirs that um, her father believed that Yaakov had deliberately surrendered to the Germans after being encouraged to do so by his wife. And so she was arrested Can't for interrogation. Funk. But either way, it's not a good look. Yeah. Now, um, now how Yakov died, um, there were a couple of different variations on this. Um, Stalin famously said to his youngest son, Vasily, the fool, he could not even shoot himself, saying he should have committed suicide when he was surrounded Now, the original version of the story, the version that was believed for a long time, was that Yakov had committed suicide in April 1943 by jumping onto the electric wire fence of the Nazi concentration camp where he was being held. But recently declassified files out of Moscow show that he was in fact shot by a guard for refusing to obey orders. He was walking around the camp. He was ordered to go back to the barracks. He said, "Shoot," and they did. Shot him through the head.
1: Did you ever watch that wind lions roar? No. Thing. No. There, there's a scene where they tell Stalin about Yakov dying, and Stalin, obviously played by Robert Duvall, he just he just turns, he looks, and he goes, "I have no son." So again, just fucking yeah, cold as ice. Yeah. So no, um, I'm just, yeah, yeah. What? so but I just
0: wanted to finish no. that story by saying yep. that after Yakov died, his wife was released from the gulag because
1: that's a happy ending.
0: <laughs> that's a Soviet happy ending.
1: No, I just I just imagine um, you know you've got to imagine that Stalin gave the word to treat these Americans pretty decently. I mean, who was that guy? Just a couple of weeks ago in North Carolina being held, he was finally released. And died from whatever they did to him there. So you've got to imagine that if these Americans came with bruises and whatever, uh, you know, having your watch stolen. It's one thing that if they had been seriously maltreated, that uh, FDR and Congress or whoever would have gotten seriously pissed off. Stalin does not need that. He needs stability so he can consolidate Poland. So he's probably doing a, a decent job by the Americans.
0: Did you say they had their watch Stalin? you yeah, had his watch Stalin?
1: Watch Stalin. Stolens probably did its hour three. You know, some of the Americans have their watch stolen. Obviously, it was better than the Russian junk. But if that's the worst thing that happens to you when you're in your prison of war camp or you're running around, of you know, hey, it could be worse.
0: Now, the Soviets were treating the American POWs fairly well, certainly much better than they would have treated their own. Uh, yeah. the, the living conditions of the American POWs were on par with those of the Red Army the living standards of the Red Army were pretty shitty. (laughs) (laughs) Right. In fact, there are stories that American POWs were offered to go and stay in these Red Army camps and they found out that they were going to be treated the same way as the Red. I mean, they said, no, I'll just stay in the forest and hunting squirrels. Thanks, really. I think I'll be better off. <laughs> I,
1: I'll, I'll have a better chance with the deliverance guys than I do over there in, uh, in uh, the camp. So, no, I'm good. I'm good.
0: Now, by the end of March, Frank had lost all confidence in Stalin. On March 24th, he was brought a cable from Stalin. And after reading the cable, he banged his fists on the arms of his wheelchair and said, Avril is right. We can't do business with Stalin. He has broken every one of the promises he made at Yalta. The cable Damn, was about I'm, Poland. Yeah. And within a few weeks, Roosevelt would be
1: dead. Damn. So... Truman is probably going to hear about this frustration from FDR. It's about Poland. And he's going to pick up on that. I cannot trust this guy. And he's a very different man than FDR.
0: And that is where we're going to leave the show. Short one, half hour, but then we went over time last week. Uh, I am going to read some heroes and some reviews because we haven't done that for a while. Um, Defcon 1, new Defcon 1 heroes, Nora Jane Gant, Dale Gutierrez, Nicholas RS, uh, Nickers, Nick RS, just Nickers, I guess is what his friends call him. Nice. Charlie Jackson, Zachariah Girth, Kevin Locke, Adam Stanley. Zachariah Girth, that's a good name. I just say to the girls, "Hey, you know, you know what matters? Girth. Like, girth matters. Girth
1: likes you. Girth yeah. likes you.
0: You want some girth? <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, Adam Stanley, Zach Simpson, Andrew McDrury, Chris Prestridge, Thomas Vedarsen, Andrew Miner, Tom Monk, Kylie Simister, Wesley Resnick, Bob Evans, not the producer, maybe the producer of The Godfather, Robert Evans. I think he's dead. Maybe his son. Welcome to the Bob. restaurant. I don't know which that is. John Nicole, Fred O'Sullivan, James Toole, Thomas Steele, Joe Spaulding, and our new DEFCON 2 supporter, our farmer friend, television celebrity, Oscar Pierce. Oscar. I just sucked, smacked. Okay. Uh,
1: some reviews.
0: Um, I've already did the beg Poo one the other day. I'm going to go back. We're going to read four reviews quickly uh, because I'm, uh, I, I, all of these people deserve a thank you token. Haven't done one for a while. Um, Doe Moose from Australia says, "Just like warm apple pie." Carl Sagan said, "If you want to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first create the universe." And so it is for Ray and Cam, constructing the entire universe of the geopolitics of the time and all the important characters that were involved with a bunch of dick jokes and music. That's right, this is no ordinary history podcast. They go deeper than anyone else, luxuriate in the details more than others, give ten times more background than other sites, but they also have way more fun than anyone else. Why was Stalin extremely suspicious of the West? You'll find out and hear some filthy jokes. How did Europe get divided up in the war? You'll be astounded to hear how it went down, along with some 80s music. Was Churchill the hero he is portrayed as, or was he far more complex? And will Cam maintain his Churchill accent to the end of the sentence? Will Ray run out of limoncello? You'll learn, you'll laugh, you'll thoroughly enjoy this most unique of podcasts. Thank you, Domus, that's clever. Nice. And also from Australia, The Kippax hmm i wonder who that is Hmm. better than caffeine coke it's late on a wednesday night and i have to stay awake to go to work at midnight not my usual routine how do i stay awake tv no i'll just fall asleep on the couch read a book no way caffeine nope too tired to calculate the exact dosage and timing to keep me awake to work but then let me sleep (laughs) afterwards Illicit substances probably not the time to suddenly decide to dabble Ray and Cam are the perfect solution. These gentlemen are the perfect balance of entertainment, education, and inappropriate comedy. Cam, the alpha male, oh, the alpha male. So this <laughs> this is a reference to a big debate that happened at the Brisbane meet and greet around dinner at the German club. Where everybody, including my wife, was trying to suggest that I'm an alpha male. And now I kept saying I'm not, not an alpha male. I hate alpha males. I detest alpha males. They say, oh, that's because alpha males don't like other alpha males. You're an alpha male. I assure you I'm not a, an alpha male. Anyway, Cam the alpha male takes like, the lead with this exhaustive that. research. They I said, they said, you're, 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 of course you're an alpha male. You're always taking control. I said, I only take control because no one else does. And somebody needs to do it. And they kept saying, that's what an alpha male does. I go, no, 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 alpha male, An alpha male wants to be in control. I don't want to be in control. I, I don't want to do anything. I'm as lazy as fuck. I just want to sit around and do nothing. They go, no, that's not... No, alpha males just do it because they have to. Anyway. So anyway... Um, Good argument. Painstakingly taken notes while Ray the Quiet American adds appropriate gravitas... What? Really? Oh, to the proceedings with giggling and insinuated strip teasers. Yeah, okay, fair enough. There is music jokes... They're not simulated. Bad, but more than all of this, there is serious history being shared in a relatable and entertaining way. I have no idea how much I didn't know. Excellent work once again, gentlemen. Keep it up. Thank you, AK. Um, also from Thank Australia, SM1977... <laughs> Fascinating look behind the Iron Curtain. Do yourself a favour and listen to this podcast, Molly Meldrum reference, well noted there. Ray and Cam take their listeners on an epic journey through history, going into depth on subjects barely touched on in other histories of the period. They do it with formidable research and with endless humour. If you want to laugh out loud while learning about historical events from different perspectives, then this podcast is for you. On a personal note, I would love to go to karaoke with you guys. Love to belt out a tune or two with you. Keep up the awesome work, Sheena.
1: Take it, yeah. slow, like Take it slow, like your daddy. Take it slow, like your
0: daddy told you. Yeah. 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 We should
1: pick one special winner, get on Skype, and sing "Turn Around, Bright Eyes" with them, <laughs> like we did. <laughs> the like we did that the was band. the best time. Oh, bro. that was so odd. That was. That the best. was yes. I can't believe that didn't anyway, end up
0: on video. What happened to Gabe's secret video taking? I, I thought he Gabe, got that one.
1: Gabe fell down yeah. on the job. And he and deserves he to have you
0: having sex with his
1: wife. Um, And last one, uh, United States, uh,
0: Charian won. Five stars is not enough. If your history of memory... Fuck, let me start that again. If your memory of history class is standing in the back of the room to avoid falling asleep... I would like to recommend the sleep-resistant Cam and Ray. However, if you have sacred cows, prepare for a barbecue. If you think your local customs and beliefs are the laws of the universe, prepare for a change of perspective. If you think history is irrelevant and boring, let Cam and Ray challenge that assumption. If you like a little off-colour humour and rock music added to the mix, then you have found your history podcasts. I say podcasts because Cam and Ray also provide the life of Caesar, Julius and Augustus, the life of Alexander the Great, and the BS filter. Yes, BS is what you think it is, a word of caution to parents and guardians these podcasts are liberally peppered with salty language discover the well-researched podcast of these two teachers entertainers unless you believe the earth is 6,000 years old you will not regret it well thank you Charian Sheena Kipax and Domus Uh, all of you send us an email to email at the cold at a cold war dot com or or Cameron whatever my fucking Gmail Cameron Riley at (laughs) gmail.com Uh, and I will, and give me your address and uh, and AK your new address because I know you just moved to Ipswich, right. and um, I will uh, send you a um, or one of us will send you a token of our yeah. appreciation. So, uh, short show, show sh- not a shit show, but a short show. Um, we will pick up next week with more right. of not Yalta. But how Not. shit fell apart quickly, the death right. of Roosevelt, the incoming of Truman, the British election where Churchill is tossed out on his hiney, the development of the atomic bomb and all of that to yeah. come. The death of Hitler, the end of the, uh, European the war. war. Mm. Yeah. Mm, all well, of that first
1: Hitler gets come. married and then he dies
0: yeah which is true for all of us first we get married <laughs> <laughs> then then we die anyway emotionless no I'm kidding I love my wife I love my marriage I'm very happy
1: I love his wife too <laughs> and Gabe's wife everybody's wife